Hello, fellow lovers of all things green. I'm Mary Stone, and welcome to Garden Dilemmas, Delights, and Discoveries. It's not only about gardens, it's about nature's inspirations, about grasping the glories of the world around us, gathering what we learn from Mother Nature, and carrying these lessons into our garden of life. So let's jump in in the spirit of learning from each other. We have lots to talk about. Hello, fellow listeners. I am totally off kilter of my schedule. (laughs) It is the daylight savings time switch. And um, actually, it's been a few weeks now, and I'm still getting used to it. (laughs) Preamble to the change in time of the clock. I was already shifting myself in my rhythm of time. It's an odd thing, isn't it, to uh, gain an hour, lose an hour. Anyway, yesterday I went on a road walk in the morning and actually dictated some notes to you, and I think I'm going to share some of those here. But I have to say, I just got back from an afternoon walk, which is really unusual. I uh, came upon a really big oak leaf. I mean, really big. And I carried it all the way on my four miles. I also picked up a rather small leaf. So I came back and I measured them. One is a foot long, literally 12 inches, and the other is four inches. Obviously from different trees, but both are oak trees and um, both are in their dormant state and both have dropped their leaves, which will decay and create nourishment for the next year's growth as it breaks down and makes our soil rich. So it was really a comforting, or I should say thought-provoking thing to look at these two different leaves, different sizes, same species, just like us humans. I've mentioned previously that I tend to stay unplugged to media, but one of the things I did listen to during the uh, running for president timeline was the debates, and uh, the most outstanding part of it to me was the letter from a eighth grader that was uh, read at the end of the vice presidential debate. And I have to say hats off to that young person. Her name is Brooklyn Brown from Springville Junior High in Springville, Utah. As part of the Utah Debate Commission, they asked students in the state to write essays about what they would like to ask the vice presidential candidates. And so again, her name is Brooklyn Brown and she wrote, when I watch the news, all I see is arguing between Democrats and Republicans. When I watch the news, all I see is citizen fighting against citizen. When I watch the news, all I see are two candidates from opposing parties trying to tear each other down. If our leaders can't get along, how are the citizens supposed to get along? And then she added, your examples could make all the difference to bring us together. Wow, wow, wow. Wasn't that something? You know, I often listen to the politics that we have to listen to. And uh, it's bullying, isn't it? I mean, really. And uh, it troubles me that that's what we teach our youth. You know, it's not about um, being courteous or respectful. It's about throwing daggers at each other. And it's just, boy, oh boy, very disturbing. But anyway, this podcast is not about that. It's about life lessons learned in nature and in our gardens. And, um, One of the things that uh, also came to me as I was walking the streets yesterday was uh, I came upon a flock of geese that landed in the uh, pond at the farm down the road, and uh, boy, what a glorious sound. What a glorious sound. 
Oh, do you hear them? And do you see them flying? Well, you can't see them, but I can. Thank you, guys. I'll miss you. See you next year. So in my dictation to you, this is exactly how I wrote it. I joyfully paused when I walked by the pond and witnessed the Canadian geese amongst two mallards and domestic ducks, one white duck and two black ducks, all getting along, swimming side by side in the modestly sized pond. Nature has much to teach us on getting along and sharing our bounty. Of course, the geese are on their way to migration, I assume, although today is unseasonably warm after some frigid temps. Um, and I will be sad to see them go, but they'll be back again someday. And that brings me to a recent column called What's in Store? Lessons from Frosty. Hello, fellow readers. It's coming up on nine years of our weekly chats. Hard to imagine. One of the annual topics is what's in store for winter in the Garden of Life. From weather folklore to the go-to almanacs and weather authorities, none seem to agree this year, much like other predictions in 2020. But there's comfort in the lessons of Frosty the Snowman I'd like to share. It's fun to ponder the long-term weather folklore predictions such as the woolly bear caterpillar, the narrower the band, the harsher the winter, but there's no proof Mr. Fuzzy's wardrobe is accurate. This year, I only came across a few furry fellows sporting varying widths of brown. And by the way, you can bounce back to episode 7 and learn more about winter weather folklore. I invite you to do that. It's a fun column and it's a fun read with other subjects wrapped around it. The go-to Old Farmer's Almanac says that despite low levels of solar activity that historically translate to cooler temperatures, they believe that winter will not be extremely cold because of rising temperature trends. Their winter map declares sheets of sleet and intimidating capital letters over our New Jersey, PA, New York area. They claim wet to be the wintertime constant. And that's, I think, for much of the country. Wet that translates to messy sleet rather than snow does not make for happy skiers and frosty enthusiasts. That would be me. Then there's the Farmer's Almanac, not to be confused with the Old Farmer's Almanac, although both claim about an 80 to 85% accuracy. Hear the lovely bird? <laughs> Their headline reads, Cold and snowy in the north, drought in the west, and everything crazy in between. Which side are you on? Can even weather be taking sides? Their winter map outlook for our area reads, Seasonably cold, wet, and white. Yay! But then there's a subtitle. Winter of the Great Divide. Oh my! Is long-range forecasting accurate? I asked Mr. Doppler, that would be Kurt, who has a handful of premium weather apps. Each morning over breakfast, he listens to the Eastern PA Weather Authority, our local weather guru, on YouTube. The authority no longer offers long-range winter weather predictions, Concluding, weather forecasting is not accurate more than 10 days in advance. Their revelation is consistent with each year's forecasts for the coming winter that starts with an explanation of why the previous year's winter did not unfold as predicted, justifying how anomalies played out with all sorts of technical weather jargon too hard to understand. Although I have to say, I always enjoy the squiggly maps of weather. I mean, really, they're, they're beautiful, but hard to understand and Kurt always stands there and makes the waves like he's a weatherman explaining all these you know airflow patterns and it's very confusing 
Predictions on all fronts are a puzzle this year with troubling divisiveness all around us. But we can lift each other with love and kindness to melt away fear and disharmony, bringing joy and peace back again. Speaking of snow, last week I took a walk in the woods to support a bereavement camp for kids who lost a parent, guardian, or sibling too early in life. I've been a volunteer for Comfort Zone Camp since my soulful twin brother Bill passed away. No doubt the pandemic's isolation, lost lives, and stress over livelihoods adds to the uncertainty and feeling of loss for many of us these days, which is why I think this whole thing about grief is so big, so big. And as we get older, we experience more of it, but at any age, this this year has been filled with loss. It's It's really very sad, but there is hope. The 5K Grief Relief was a virtual event this year. Still, I gathered a few friends at Blue Mountain Lakes, which is part of the Delaware Water Gap National Recreational Area, for an in-person 5K. We followed COVID protocols, of course. It was a cold day, and remnants from a light dusting of snow remained in pockets next to Hemlock Pond, where elevations are a bit higher. I grabbed some snow and rubbed it on my cheeks, hoping that Frosty will be coming to town this year. You know the song which starts out, Frosty the Snowman, what a jolly happy soul, with a corn cob pipe and a button nose and two eyes made out of coal. I just love that song. We wear name badges while at camp. Last year, during a snowy New Jersey March camp, a group of kids built a snowman, actually snowmen and some snowwomen, and one was given a name tag, Mark Frosty, charmingly misspelling his last name. Frosty the Snowman is a fairy tale, they say. He was made of snow, but the children know how he came to life one day. And the story goes on how the children laughed and played until one day the sun came out and it became too hot. Frosty shouted, let's run and we'll have some fun before I melt away. So when the time came, he waved goodbye, saying, don't you cry, I'll be back again someday just like the geese that are migrating, just like the love lost by some as tensions have been elevated. It can be back, it can be back if we just nurture each other, just as we nurture our gardens. You know, community really starts at home in our own backyard, in our own neighborhoods. We have a say in how we treat our neighbors and each other, choosing respect and love and care will make all the difference. Thanks so much. And please stay tuned for part two, titled Thanks for Giving Thanks. So I'm back on the screen porch after taking a brief walk around the yard and doing some photography of the mist. It was a fog, actually, that was lifting. It was just magnificent. And the sun is now gleaming through the trees. Not many leaves left. But um, anyway, as I mentioned, I want to share a column, and this was written, boy, it's almost five years ago, and um, the title of it is Thanks for Giving Thanks, and we are approaching that time of year where we celebrate Thanksgiving here in the United States, although we celebrate Thanksgiving always, don't we? And the, the column header has a illustration done by a child of a group of children of different sizes and races holding hands. Thanksgiving is a time to gather and reflect on gifts we are grateful for. 
Versions of the holiday are celebrated different times of the year by other countries, too. While most folks consider it a secular holiday, which means it's not based on religion, almost all religions offer prayers of thanks after harvest or other times. How wonderful to imagine, despite our differences, we share gratitude and thankfulness. In today's world, it's hard to see beyond devastating violence and fear, intolerance driven by a regrettable human condition, the need to be right. We feed the division by engaging in it. Media counts on it for ratings and clicks. Politicians depend on it for votes. And we sadly follow their lead in setting an example of intolerance. Then there's this little paper who largely shares happiness and good news. I'm grateful to the press for nurturing our community and for all of you for sharing. Recently, I had the joy of meeting with June of East Bangor, Pennsylvania, who lives in her family home dating back a 100 years. In her garden is a tree peony planted by her Aunt Stella, nestled below several mature Norway spruce. While peony like a break from the hot sun with dappled shade from nearby trees, they'll struggle if overshadowed. They don't like sharing their root space with the surrounding trees and shrubs either. An old photo of June's peony busting in blooms illustrates the change in vigor since then when the surrounding trees were not crowding her out. I suggested we move her peony to a sunnier spot. It's true that peonies don't like to be moved, but fall is the best time to try. For now, June prefers to keep her peony where it is. Let her live out her years rooted where she's been. There's great respect in that. Like people with opposite points of view, different religions and cultures, Plants need their own space to thrive. All people and plants need nourishment, water, and love. Each is an individual, but together they create a beautiful garden and an ecosystem for pollinators and other wildlife, if we allow it. Or we can destroy it with toxic chemicals and overshadowing, rather than allowing each to have what is needed while living in harmony among each other. Imagine if we gave each other just that, without judgment, without intolerance, without violence. These things I pray for our world, which begins here at home. Happy Thanksgiving. I always end with garden dilemmas. AskMaryStone.com At the bottom of the column, I have a little tidbit that I'd like to share as well. I have a framed copy of Robert Fulgham's poem, All I Ever Really Need to Know I Learned in Kindergarten, that good old mom gave me years ago. It ends with, it is still true. No matter how old you are when you go out into the world, it is best to hold hands and stick together. Imagine that. So thanks for coming by. I always appreciate you tuning in. And if you've enjoyed the podcast, I hope you share with your friends that will enjoy it as well. And uh, it's fun to watch our community grow in the spirit of love. Have a great day. You can follow Garden Dilemmas on Facebook or online at GardenDilemmas.com and on Instagram at hashtag Mary Elaine Stone. Garden Dilemmas, Delights, and Discoveries is produced by Alex Bartling. Thanks for coming by. I look forward to chatting again from my screen porch. And always remember to embrace the unexpected in this garden of life. Have a great day. Mm-hmm.